Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, and I've got a special guest with me today, Richard Ruane. Did I pronounce it right? Yeah, awesome. All right. And Richard Ruane is the is the author of Moonlight on Roseville Beach and Barrow Keep. Hey, hey, everybody. I'm Richard Ruane. Uh, created Barrow Keep and Moonlight on Roseville Beach and a couple of other projects. And uh, I'm really excited to kind of talk about what's coming up this year. Well, we're excited to hear about it. I'm interested. I want to ask a couple of questions about Moonlight on Roseville Beach real quick. Sure because when I look at that, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't had a chance to look at the actual game. But, but when I look at what you've put out on Kickstarter and everything, the first thing my mind goes to, I had this idea years ago, or not, not too long ago, I was like, we need this like Plan 9 from outer space style RPG. And for some reason, I feel that you've kind of gone there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that uh, I, I talked about it as like cosmic horror in the age of disco because I was like, oh, that sort of communicates that. And some people are like, oh, but what if cosmic horror isn't my thing? I think I don't think you're getting that I'm not taking cosmic horror very seriously. <laughs> like, I, like, in a, like I play Trail of Cthulhu and, and, and other cosmic horror games and really enjoy them. And I take them quite seriously in that context. But like in this game, like we're really talking about people making do in the face of cosmic horror. Yeah, I like. I think it's interesting. Like, like my mind. Like I said, I, my mind went to like uh, um, Ed Wood type stuff, or even John Waters type type thing. When I when I look at this, that's where my mind instantly goes. I oh, think yeah, that's yeah. neat. I, I I think that would be a fun thing. What sort of system is the game using? So it is an all D six game. Uh, it's a pretty system wise that's pretty lightweight you sort of build a quick whenever you do an action that could be interesting I, I really try to follow my friend Mike Lombardi's like die rolling rules like die rolls are interesting when success is possible uh and failure is interesting I like that <laughs> yeah yeah Mike Mike sort of articulated as well as I'd ever done he has a couple other like notes in there but I think that the core of it really is when success is possible uh and failure is interesting that's when you roll you kind of build up a die pool kind of based on your skills and the kind of the situation, any kind of situational modifiers, any set of special equipment that you have that you think would set you ahead. Uh, and you, you kind of roll the dice and then you assign them to, um, initially it was just the, the big three, which is, do you achieve your goal? Do you get injured in the process? And you establish in the, in, in communication with the GM, if there are, uh, injuries or, or scares possible when you kind of describe the task there's some tasks that we, you may be risking injury but you're not really you wouldn't be risking scaring yourself uh so you, you kind of establish the risk sort of when you sort of decide what you're going to do if you get scared or if you get injured and you assign the dice to those and each of them has a slightly different table and i borrowed that from a little game by meg baker called siren um, which is absolutely one of my favorite games to play. Not a comedy game at all. Uh, it is. It is a fun little. It is a fun little one-shot focus game, or or like mini campaign focus game about people who wake up and they know they are they have psionic power, but that's all they remember. They might remember a name. They might remember a little bit. Uh, and the game is all about answering questions uh, about who you are. And it's a it's a pretty. It can be a really actually intense, horrific game because frequently your side powers go out of control and they cause massive damage. And it's this, it's an actually kind of interesting game of just because it's like you're you're constantly just going. But that's that's not what I wanted to do. Like I didn't <laughs> want to wipe out Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So that's that's a that's a little bit sort of like kind of where the inspiration came from. And then I added a section called uh, find a clue because I wanted that sort of Scooby Doo event oh, where yes. they like screw up and they trip over themselves. 
and they're like face down in the dirt and all of a sudden they're like wait I just found this piece of cloth <laughs> from somebody's costume. <laughs> I uh, like that. That's the kind of moment I really wanted in that it when you when you roll dice is that chance that like you're utterly gonna screw up. You save that one good die for the find a clue. And uh so that's the kind of system it is. And it's uh it's a really simple straight D6 system. I wanted I really wanted to stick to D6s because I want it to be the kind of game that people can play at the beach. So what real quick question is what is the determining factor of a success? Would it be like do you have to roll over a certain number or a certain Yeah, amount? yeah. All of them are escalating. So if you have like if you roll four dice and you have you have to place them on three tables, say the GM is like, all right, you're you're risking scare but not injury. So you get you need to place three of these dice on your goal injury and uh finding a clue like a random clue like usually most clues are just like i went to the right place talked to the right people and found the right information i don't make people roll for that but those random weird little bits of clue uh that are fun for the gm and fun for the players I, i wanted to add in there and uh so like if your goal is to like climb over the the fence over over you know of the neighboring house and you're you know of course at this point it's dark it's night you're you're risking injury, either falling down on the other side or hurting yourself on the top of the fence, which, you know, we did plenty of times as kids in climbing over fences. <laughs> so you get like a, and you roll and you get like two threes and a four, uh, a two threes, a four and a two. Um, and the tables will have slightly different weights, but you'll be like, hey, the four is a success on some of these tables, but not a success on others. Uh, where am I going to place that four? Three is a failure on everything. And a two is a really bad failure on one of these tables. Uh, so it's a moment of sort of decision about sort of like what you want. And what you got to place those. Yeah. And the tables are really short. I mean, they're not, they're not big extensive tables. They're really just like, you know, the GM will tell you how you get injured, you know, under a three on the injury table. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, I've got a question about the art that you've used here. I, is, yeah. I, I like the art. Where is this coming from? Is, is, who's creating this art and where does it where did it come from? It's really good. So, it's cool. Very so Dai Sugars, uh, who is the graphic designer, went back and forth with me on several cover ideas. I really was excited by those old oil painting covers uh, that used to be especially, especially glorious on um now romance isn't the right genre, but those 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 kind of suspense thriller pulp novels in the pulp, in the larger sort of world of pulp novels, there was sort of this suspense and thriller pulp novel that sort of included kind of the, the progenitors of the romance genre and sort of included the progenitors of uh, queer literature. And uh, so a lot of those were just like, uh, was very informed by, by those. Uh, it was what I wanted was very informed by those and die uh, after going back and forth, and we looked at a lot of stock sites, and we looked at a lot of things that uh, Dai could blend together, Dai took four different pulp covers that we have reasonable belief are in the public domain. Oh, good. That's uh, cool. Or, or that like either in the public domain or that like using us aspects of them would be fair use, and blended them together. Uh, blended together wonderfully. I think it's really or, cool yeah. looking. I, I like that style. Incredible work. Uh, the first thing that popped to my mind, I, I definitely see some of those old, those old pulp novels, mm-hmm. like the romance oh, yeah. and the old, like they had like those old. There's a whole genre like those old lesbian um, paperbacks oh, yeah, yeah, from yeah. back in the day. That was that was a thing that happened. It's definitely on those lines. But one of the first things that pops in my mind when I see the styles there are the old Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys I read as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> I, I used yes. to love those. Definitely, like you know, a little bit, a little bit sexed up. 
but definitely those, those those Nancy Drew Hardy Boys novels definitely, especially the editions that came out when we were kids in the like the seventies eighties. Yes, I had to, those the blue cool binding or the covers. yellow bindings. Yeah, yeah. I Nancy read Drew had the yellow binding. Hardy Boys had the blue binding, and they were all those beautiful, <laughs> el- those those wonderful like oil painting covers. No, oh, I read so many Nancy Drew and so many Hardy Boy books growing oh, yeah. up with those covers. I loved them; they were great. <laughs> I wish I had all the books I read. I used to get them at the library though. Yeah. So. This is a cool looking game. I really like the idea. I, I I think that I think it's something that my game group would have a lot of fun with because we don't. Yeah. We we tend to go into the campy and and kind of we can turn any horror into something we can laugh at in about two seconds flat when we're playing. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You've got a couple other things that you're talking about that that are on the horizon too coming out here so i'm i'm right now editing or, or working with my co-creators on roseville beach right bef- like shortly before it started i knew i wanted to uh, take the kickstarter money and hire some other people and i decided to do the open call for collaborators before the kickstarter rather than after yes and i felt and my original plan was to uh hire a bunch of people or hire a few people initially and, and set aside some other people to be stretch goals. And then I loved everybody who submitted so much. I was so excited to work with them. I was like, no, we're just going to make this an all or nothing thing. I raised the, I raised the ceiling on the, what, you know, the funding ceiling. And it was just like, I, I, if I can't work with these folks, I'm going to, I'm going to just not like, <laughs> I'm just going to not do it. Um, well, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad that was that, that, that you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was, I was so excited to work with them and I just, I did not know how to pick you know, one, you know, one over the other. And uh, so right now that's where we're kind of going through all that. I've got a few other things I'm going to write for Roseville Beach. The two other things I'm working on short term, or I wrote a game, I wrote a game about a year ago called about, I guess only seven months ago is when I finished the draft of it, Enoch's Wake, which was designed to be sort of like a traveler inspired approach to space fantasy. Okay. Uh, But like, like if you took the rules of Traveler and played Spelljammer with it, it was sort of the pitch for. I like that. You have. Yeah, some, I, yeah. I like some of the ideas you have here. I like that. I've got that Traveler seventy seven box. Um, it's pretty oh, gosh, ragged, yeah. and I've got it sitting on my shelf. And I'll be on. And I got. I got that. I got what well, it's Traveler five, where it looks like the box, but it's big hardback. Three of them, like yeah. all the old stuff compiled. I've never played either one of them. I've been wanting to play Traveler forever. I've never played it and for decades. It's like we're gonna play Traveler. I can't um, remember how long it's been now. Never played it. Yeah, yeah. No, a few years ago, a couple of friends of mine were like, you've really got to go back and look at Traveler. Uh, and I had played it as a kid, but I had, like most games I played when I was 13, I have no idea how we actually played or what <laughs> yeah. we actually did. <laughs> no. Like I remember, I remember the people in the room and I vaguely remember that we were playing a role-playing game, but I have no idea what we're actually doing. I'm always impressed when people remember their first RPG character. Because like, oh, I don't remember mine. In I fact, just like I, I played a lot of halflings. We did not play it right. My first role playing game in the eighties was the Fossa Doctor Who role playing game because I was obsessed with Doctor Who on PBS back in the eighties. Oh 80s. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got that thing. I didn't know how to play a role playing game. I had just seen all the, all the scare stuff at school or at church and stuff where they'd be, oh, it's the devil. And I was like, okay, so how do I do this? And we just rolled up characters for our action figures and made up our own characters for them. We didn't have a DM. It just turned into organized combat between action figures. And that's how we started. That's that's the early role-playing activities that we did as kids that I remember. I don't remember early. Like, I remember we played the Traveler starter box like a couple of times. And I remember I always wanted to be a scout, like, 
like that's an awesome name like if you give me like oh you can be an army or a marine i was like maybe but you know what i'd rather be a scout and then like that was the quick thing to dying in character creation uh, oh yes that's the i mean that's what the game's legendary for is is the yeah that everybody talks about is the death of during character creation which yeah it's what is going to go down in history for at this point <laughs> now you also but, wrote uh borrow keep and yeah. You said that there, as we were talking, I think that was before we started recording, you said that there may be something else for that here in the future. Yeah. I think a lot of people are familiar with that. Could you tell us a little bit more? Yeah. So uh, Bear Keep was a romantic fantasy setting. It was very focused on kids in the castle. Uh, my, my friend Thea Rivera said, like, how do we take OSR and, like, make it Game of Thrones? And I was like, I'm going <laughs> to try that. And in the process, it became, like, let's take OSR and make it like Robin Hobb or Mercedes Lackey, <laughs> which for me was like, you know, way more fulfilling uh, than trying to do Game of Thrones. But yeah, Barakeep was, it started as like young adults living in a castle. And then as, as I wrote the book, I started creating like spaces around the castle. That's not vast, but I was like, oh, you know, when they go to town, the town has to, I want a few locations in the town. So when they go to town, the GM is not like, you're stuck in the castle. <laughs> so th this summer i'm, I'm going to do a uh, small standalone game barrow keep is written for old school essentials and uh short swords and sinners sharp swords and sinister spells uh and a couple other games i ended up doing play sets for uh but i want to do a standalone system for this one it'll be set in the town itself in the original kind of version of barrow keep i did that i ran it at metatopia back in like 2019 uh, there were a lot of options for characters who started in the town. Uh, and I really took those out in order to just kind of give it a little more focus for the very first volume. Uh, and I'm kind of going back there and sort of looking at sort of like, you know, the local vigilante kid and the, the, the person who's like, you know, you know, set to take over the local tavern, but doesn't want to be a tavern owner. And the, the person who has connections, to the local bandits, those, those are the kind of characters you're looking at in the in the town yeah and one thing about barrel keep i i i, I don't I actually i wish i would have, have gone back over it before he came here and, uh -huh. and but one thing about barrel keep is it is it's very much like weaving social relationships throughout the book mm -hmm. and that kind of focuses on that stuff i think it's really cool it's a great structure for that i, I actually i was hoping to try to review it here in the near future <laughs> it's, yes. it's been on it's been on our list to, i got stacks and piles of zines laying around in the space oh right I, yeah i can only it's imagine I see, like I, I follow you like we follow i follow you on facebook and twitter and i see all the zines you're buying i'm like oh my god <laughs> yeah so and trying to get to all the zines all the time is, is sometimes difficult but we'll we'll plug through them i think i get more of them than there are weeks in the year so i started trying to take a few of them and be like okay i'm gonna have to do two or three this week to try yeah, to get yeah, yeah. through more of these so and i'll be honest when i'm gaming i i get books i don't plan on using them immediately i'll like i'll be planning a campaign for the future and i'm going to be using these books together as elements of what i'm doing so that a lot of stuff a lot of these things are going to end up working together by the time i run that so yeah i'm excited to get to it uh, I'm excited to see what else comes out for Barrow Keep. And Moonlight on Roseville Beach looks really cool. I'm definitely going to try to get a copy. Is there going to be copies of that available if you miss the Kickstarter? Yeah, yeah, there is a there's a pre-order page. I'll shoot you I'll shoot you the the link to my page. Uh, but there's a pre-order page on my page. For if you miss the Kickstarter, you can still get the print pre-order. Uh, eventually there's going to be a, a PDF pre-order, but that's a 
weirdly, that's harder to set up. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask one more question because we're running out of time. Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online and where they can get some of your stuff here? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, mainly is the best place to follow me online is ARR underscore ROO. That's RRU, which was a play on a college nickname I had. Um, and uh, I, I am, you can find me at r-rook.com, which has a link to my Twitter and my itch page and all the other drive-through and all the other the other places you can find me uh, and a, a link to my three big games, Bear Keep, Enoch's Wake and, uh, and Moonliner Ritzville Beach. So. Okay. And we'll make sure that there are links to those in the show notes. So if you're listening and you want to check those out, go ahead over to anchor FM, our Wobblies and wizards podcast. There we'll have links in the show notes for that. So you can find them. And as always, you can find us at wobbliesandwizards.com. We're on the Facebook, just search Wobblies and wizards. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, leave us a positive review. And if you've already left us a positive review, thank you so much. It's so helpful. You can find me on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom and keep those dice rolling. This is Logar, and I'm just going to do a quick plug here for our, our little podcast. We put a lot of time and effort into this and money out of our own pockets. So if you appreciate having a daily podcast about role-playing games with our specific bend, Please go over to Patreon backslash Wobblies and Wizards, that's W-O-B-B-L-I-E-S-A-N-D-W-I-Z-A-R-D-S, and give us a little support.